Uh, this morning's reading is John 5, uh, 1 through to 47, and in your pew Bibles, that is on, starts on page 1516. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And as he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. 
not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently, because you think that in them you will have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Thanks, Ali. Great reading. Uh, Everyone, just make sure that you have your Bibles open. We're going to try and follow John chapter 5 closely. And make sure you have uh, a leaflet uh, close to you as well, because there's some extra readings in there that I'll I'll show you a bit later on. Uh, How about I lead us in prayer so that we are ready to hear what God has in store for us. Let's pray together. Father, we give you thanks today that you are here. Uh, not just in this building, but uh, amongst us as your people, your family. Uh, we pray, Father, that uh, you would speak to us through these, through these words. Uh, we pray that uh, you give us your, you enable your spirit to be able to, uh, to make, uh, to make uh, these words make sense to us, uh, that it might reach down to our very depths, that we might believe it, we might believe in Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. In this chapter of uh, John's Gospel, uh, Jesus comes across a person who was paralyzed. Uh, Life didn't look very uh, full or rich for him, and he's desperate for a cure. And Jesus comes and does something incredibly loving and incredibly gracious. And his love and grace extends to us today even today in 2023, in a way that few around Jesus appreciated even at that time, we don't realize that we are more like that paralyzed man than we know. Now, if we receive what Jesus gives us, our world is just going to explode. And we're going to find a freedom to be able to move in incredible measure. According to the Apostle John, it's all going to do with who Jesus is uh, from, that, uh, from the memory verse that we just had a look at. John chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, Jesus wants to give us life. And the way to receive it is by believing in him. The point of the signs or the incredible works in, these book, in this book is to help convince you of Jesus, who he is, what he comes to do. So we find Jesus in Jerusalem during the time of a Jewish festival. 
Uh, that will mean that the city would just be a buzz with Jewish people celebrating. And Jesus reaches a popular shaded spot surrounded by colonnades, a place called Bethesda. There was a pool, not a mobile phone. There was a pool there near the sheep gate. And there at the pool, there's quite a number of disabled people, according to verse 3. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And Jesus singles out one person, approaches this one particular person, chosen possibly because he seems to be in the most desperate of need. This man has been an invalid for 38 very long years. Like, can you feel how desperate that might feel like? How hopeless he must feel and how powerless he might seem sitting right next to that pool. Well, Jesus feels compassion for him, and he asks this in verse 6. He says, do you want to get well? Which seems like a strange question to ask, seeing that the answer might be quite obvious. I assume, as in other occasions, that Jesus asked this for the benefit of the man and the people who are watching on to test them, to make sure that they're listening. Well, the paralyzed man says, verse 7, Sir... I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. So there seems to be this superstition that being the first into the pool when it is stirred will help or even cure this, his condition. And with breathtaking simplicity, breathtaking simplicity and utter power, Jesus says in verse 8, get up Pick up your mat and walk. And at once, verse 9, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Such is the power of Jesus' words. No need for magic water or endless magical words repeated endlessly or not even a question as to whether or not his words is going to be effective at all. Just pure, unadulterated power in just eight words. I would have loved to see the look on the man's face. I imagine there was no small measure of joy and relief and amazement. I would have just loved to look at all the faces that's surrounding and their, their jaws just drop at what just happened. I reckon the power of our word can feel quite powerful nowadays. I mean, I could say, let there be light. And Siri or Google will turn on the lights for me. How about that? We live in a strange world right now, isn't it? What about using Google or Siri and saying, pull up the blinds, it'll happen. Open the doors. Uh, how about turn on the TV or get the heater going, get the heater going today for sure. Clean the garage, feed the kids, even call your hover car to yourself. Maybe, maybe not that last one, not just yet. Maybe in future, there might even be nanobots like floating through our bloodstream, right? And you could ask, hey Siri, can you just zap my kidney stones? And it'll just happen. Or even ask Siri and say, can you, can you just block the sugar so that it, would, it wouldn't reach into our bloodstream because I'm about to have this donut? What would you fix if we had that kind of technology, I wonder? 
Did the paralyzed man find the ultimate Siri or Google? Hey, Jesus, fix my legs. Well, seeing that Jesus didn't then heal the multitude of disabled people around him, I think there's more going on with what Jesus is doing. There's more going on. Well, the look on the faces of the Jewish leaders, well, they weren't so happy because it seems it wasn't the right time for the man to enjoy his legs. Verse 10, they say, It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. It doesn't really quite display these Jewish leaders in the greatest of light, does it? The reason for their objection was because of the Sabbath. And here's the Sabbath law. I printed it in your leaflets. It says, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. See, God didn't permit work on the Sabbath day as it was to be kept holy or separate for him. And the reason for this was to remember God's work of creation, but also to remember that he, God, rested from his work of creation. The Jewish leaders had determined that carrying a mat, well, that constitutes work. And so is forbidden by the law. This man was disobeying his God. I love the response of the man. Did you hear the response of the man? Which kind of a point amounted to, well, well, that guy told me I could. <laughs> I don't think there was anything that was going to stop him using his legs after not being able to for 38 years. Did you notice that he hadn't even found out the name of the man who healed him? Too excited, I gather. Well, Jesus finds him again. And now he points out the reason for the man's paralysis. Verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. See, the man's true problem wasn't that he couldn't use his legs or get into the pool. What made the man paralyzed was his sin. Sin is all about rejecting or ignoring God. This man had offended the God who created him, who created all the people around him, who created the very world that we live in. How he was doing so, we're not told. But whatever his thoughts, or his actions, or his neglect, or evil... He hadn't been honoring God. And in this case, the result of his sin has been that he was paralyzed. He needed to stop his sin against God. Now, I should say at this point that not every ailment that we have is a result of a specific sin, but here in this case, it is. Uh, I play tennis every once in a while during the week, and uh Sad to say, I'm recovering from the dreaded tennis elbow, unfortunately. It hurts. It hurts. 
And at some point, I should probably acknowledge that my body is not as limber as it used to be, especially on the tennis court. One time I went to my physio, and he started to work on my neck and my shoulders. And I looked at him, sir, tennis elbow, <laughs> not tennis neck or shoulders. Apparently, apparently, pain from your neck or your shoulders can refer uh, can refer to be felt at the elbow. So I looked at him really earnestly and I said, Sir, are you telling me that I have a bung elbow because I'm a pain in the neck? And he just looked at me and I thought, I, I, don't, I just don't think he knew what to say. He just smiled, possibly nodded, and felt what it was like to be a, to be a pain in the neck. <laughs> well, the once paralyzed man, well, he had some referred pain. It wasn't in his legs. It wasn't in his body. The cause of his paralysis was actually from a problem elsewhere. It was due to his sin. Now, in this light, I think it really shows how gracious Jesus had been in approaching him and singling him out and healing him. But it wasn't as if this man was turning to God and reaching out to God and coming to God with faith in him, he wasn't even looking at all. And Jesus comes. And Jesus sees. And Jesus asks. And Jesus heals. How gracious it was that Jesus approached this man. This man was not the only example of sin. Sin has an impact on the Jewish leaders as well. They began to persecute Jesus. Verse 16. They were rejecting God become man. All because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath. And I take it that these things was his act of healing. Well, Jesus responds to the Jewish leaders' persecution with a defense. And it essentially revolves around the fact that he imitates his father, like father, like son. If they knew God the Father and his work, then all Jesus does should remind them of his father. They took issue with Jesus' work of healing on the Sabbath, but Jesus is doing the same thing as his father. Verse 17, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Oh, it's really good that God is still working to this very day because without God continuing his work, the world, indeed the universe, would fall apart. He is no deistic God who creates the world from a distance, winds it up and just lets it go and watches from a distance. The true God, our God, is one who sustains the world all the time and is closely involved. The only reason why our bodies, let alone my, my elbow, doesn't fall apart right now is because it is being held together by God. And Jesus is like his father in his involvement in creation. Remember John chapter 1? He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And not only is Jesus the agent of creation, he also sustains it with his, like his father. So Colossians 1, in your leaflets, it says, 
all things have been created through Jesus and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together. If Jesus stops working like his father, then nothing, nothing holds together. See, I think if the Jewish leaders realized who Jesus really was, their attitude to Jesus' healing on the Sabbath might have been different. Here, they're taking issue with who they think is a mere human who seems to be breaking God's law when they should follow their ancestors' example because their ancestors, when they heard the law given for the first time, they fell down, trembling with humility at God's voice. I don't think their ancestors would have objected to God's activities on the Sabbath. In fact, it was because of God's provision and his work that they could enjoy a day of rest in the first place. The only reason why we can take a day off is because God made the day and he keeps things going and helps us during our day off to remember that it all just doesn't depend on me. Well, far from trembling with humility, the Jewish leaders are even more incensed because Jesus is calling God his father, making himself equal with God. Oh, that's good. They're making progress. They actually got the point. Jesus is no ordinary man. He is God become man, the son of the one whom they called God the Father. Jesus gets his cue and example and direction from his father, verse 19. They get the point of what Jesus is saying. Pity that they are not convinced. Just as the father works, so the son also works the same. Now, another way in which Jesus imitates his father has to do with how he gives life. So verse 20, it says, For the father loves the son and shows him all he does, and he, and, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to him, he is pleased to give it. People were amazed by Jesus healing this paralyzed man and even perhaps turning water into wine or healing an official's son. Well, the father will show his son something even greater. The father will show him how he raised the dead and gives the dead life. Now that, that is great indeed. And true to his pattern, the son will imitate his father and give life to the dead. Indeed, the time when the world will see the dead rise into life, it is coming imminently, according to verse 25. It says there, Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. You thought that healing a paralyzed man with just his voice was impressive? Well, with that same voice, Jesus is able to raise the dead. All because the Son shares the same eternal life as his Father. Like Father, like Son, even when it comes to the giving of life. I think as time goes on, I discover how much, how much like my father I am. (laughs) I mean, like him, I love Malaysian food. I have no fashion sense. I I 
second vest can come back. You agree? You bring your vest next week, right? Someone said to me on the way in that uh, their dad might actually agree with me. But, you know, no fashion sense. I enjoy riding my bicycle. And unfortunately, I think my hair is going to be like my father as well because when he reached about 50, like overnight, it went from black to grey like that overnight. So I've only got about three years to go before I reach that point. And I reckon overnight you're going to see, Bernie, your hair looks a little different. Well, that's because I'm like my dad. (laughs) But I'm also very different to my dad. Um, I definitely don't have the same work skills as my father. Uh, I'm no handyman at home like he is. Uh, I can't do gardening for nuts. And I can't invest in the stock market like he can. I'm not like my dad when it comes to the way we work. But when it comes to Jesus and his father, there is complete unity and consistency when it comes to their work. There is no doubt when you see Jesus and his work that he is imitating his father. The way the father works is exactly how the son works. You can count on the fact that what the father does, Jesus also does. Then it comes to even more serious things, right? Because the third way in which Jesus imitates the Father is in judgment. Verse 22. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And verse 27. The Father has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. And Jesus judges in a way that is based on the standards of his Father. Verse 30. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Just as the life that Jesus gives lasts for eternity, well, judgment and condemnation also has eternal consequences. No one escapes this judgment, for every person will be raised to face it says in verse 28, Do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. And it harks back to Daniel chapter 12, where it describes a rising, a raising of all people. It's in your leaflets, Daniel 12. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. I don't know whether we're used to thinking like this. I think we think enough that uh, as Christians we're expecting resurrection life. But in your worldview, do you ever have this conception that everyone is going to get raised? Everyone's going to get raised. But just because everyone's going to get raised doesn't mean that they're going to be raised for eternal life. Because the alternative is also true. There is eternal death. You see, it turns out that there is a greater paralysis facing people than mere blindness or immobility. The paralysis is being eternally condemned. The true consequence of rejecting Jesus is an eternity of facing his anger forever. You remember when Jesus said to the healed man, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you? Well, this is the something worse. 
It's eternal condemnation. The son imitates his father even in the act of judgment, like father, like son. Now, if the Jewish leaders sought to honour the father, so they say, they should honour the son the same. That is the point of Jesus' defence before them. I am like my father. Verse 22, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honour the son, just as they honour the father. Whoever does not honour the son does not honour the father who sent him. Instead of seeking to persecute the son, they should be honouring him. Indeed, their attitude to the Father is dependent on their attitude to Jesus. You honour Jesus, it means that you honour the Father. Whether or not they honour the Son is seen in the way they respond to the Son's voice. And here is how they are to respond in honour to the Son. It says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. The way they honour Jesus is by believing in him, trusting in him, relying upon him. The remaining verses, I don't have a lot of time to, uh, to, to, uh, to explain, so I'll leave that for you to read at home, except to say a few things about it, okay? Uh, it's all about uh, testimony about Jesus. Uh, if anyone wanted to know uh, if he was authentic, they could look at these three places, right? John the baptizer. Uh, John the baptizer said that Jesus is God's promised king. Indeed, God himself coming to earth. Number two, you can look at Jesus' works. They point to the same works that the Father is doing. You want to see whether Jesus is authentic? Look at his works. Thirdly, you can look at scriptures. Verse 39 says, You study the scriptures diligently, because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. The scriptures, works of Jesus, and John the baptizer, they all point to the authenticity of Jesus. In the end, Jesus turns the accusations of the Jewish leaders back upon themselves and calls out their hypocrisy. They accuse Jesus of offending God, was what's really happening is that they, they themselves, are far from honouring God and seeking glory from each other instead. Their desire is not to be faithful to God. Their desire is to, uh, to seek attention for themselves. I think when we come to our day, 2023, right today, as we hear this, can you hear Jesus asking us the same question? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? We need to recognize and see that we are paralyzed with sin without Jesus. And we face judgment and condemnation by God. Jesus just shakes up our view of the world. From God's point of view, we are sitting by that pool for years and feeling the results of sin. We need to stop sinning. We need to stop ignoring God. We need to stop rejecting Him. 
The sad thing is that when we hear of the wellness that Jesus gives, I think sometimes we might actually prefer to just have the physical healing. Hey, Jesus, not really that fussed about the whole rising after I die bit, but could you fix my... And then you can fill in the gap yourself. You know, I think it would be tragic if Jesus stopped with the eight words. Remember those eight words? If he stopped with those eight words and didn't also say these 13 words, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It would be so tragic if Jesus stopped at pick up your mat and walk. Remember that the signs that Jesus did, what its purpose was. It was there to point to Jesus being the Son of God, the Messiah, that by believing in him, we might have life in his name. The point wasn't about the physical healing. It wasn't all about the healing that lasts for a little bit of years. As if that was the point that Jesus came about. The point was not the person being able to walk and pick up his mat at a pool. The point was eternal and complete healing. That's the point. I think by the end of this chapter, we are left with this question. Who will you honor? Who will you honor? Will we seek glory and acceptance and validation just from each other and other people? Or will we seek to honor Jesus and therefore his father? Notice that people can know the scriptures really well and still not honor Jesus. I think that's a warning to us too. We might have been reading the Bible in these seats for decades, but how is our honoring of Jesus? Is our gathering together in order to worship Jesus and to entrust to him our everything? Is that the point that we gather together under Jesus and his word? That might sound heavy, but do you remember the grace with which Jesus approached the paralyzed man? He came to the paralyzed man, sought him out, just as he comes to us and seeks us out. And he's there every step of the way, helping us to walk with him. I think essentially, honouring Jesus is all about responding to his loving grace. It's all about responding to his loving grace. Do you want to get well? Friends, if you are here and you're not a Christian yet, might I just say this is lovely that you're here and that you get to hear what Jesus is saying, what he's claiming about himself, what each and every Christian in this room and even watching perhaps believes in. But if it's piqued your interest, we want to continue the conversation. We'd love to be able to keep, keep talking with you about it. You know, speak to the person who brought you along. If no one brought you along, come and find me. I'll buy you the coffee. Very happy to keep talking about why we think here that Jesus is amazingly gracious and loving and he's got the answer. He does. I was talking to one of our members in our 9 a.m. gathering and uh, he lives in an, in, a, in an aged care home. 
And he said to me just this past week that uh, being in this home and seeing the state of all the people around him just makes him realize that many of the things that he had put so much of his life into over the years, where are they now? So much of it is gone. So much of it. But what really counts is the life we have with Jesus for eternity. And I'll tell you what, he is looking forward to it with vigor. Now there's a person who has been made well. He would actually struggle to carry a mat. In fact, he would struggle just with walking nowadays. But look beyond the frailty of the body and you will see that he is soaring. You see the true wellness that only Jesus can give. Jesus has given him life. Get up. You have crossed over from death to life. Let's pray together. Father, we are just so immensely grateful. Father, we want to give you a praise. We know that you come to us in our sin. Father, we are those like the paralyzed man. We are paralyzed with sin. And Father, you came to us in Jesus. And Father, he has asked whether we want to get well. And Father, he just doesn't fix one thing. He doesn't fix two things. Father, he fixes our very lives. He addresses our very sin. He addresses our death. And Father, he bears the condemnation for us. Father, we are just so grateful that we have life eternal in the name of Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.